The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Dead America, Carolina Front Book 2. Dead America, the first week, too. Written by Derek Slayton. Narrated by P.J. Morgan. Chapter One How's it looking out there? Marie asked from the doorway. Captain Frank Kyle sat against one of the skywalk pillars, staring seven floors down to the street. The sun set over the horizon but the street remained illuminated by a number of car fires and flickering street lights. A few rogue zombies staggered around, looking for an evening snack. Nothing but death and destruction, Frank sighed. But on the plus side, traffic is pretty light for rush hour. Marie chuckled softly. Finally, a bit of good news. She tossed him an apple and sat down across from him, leaning against her own pillar. Oh, an apple, that's mighty generous of you, he replied, and shined it on a small bit of clean fabric left on his sleeve. Well, when you consider it could be years before we see another one of those. Yeah, it is mighty generous, she retorted. He nodded, sobering a touch. Well, that's a bit of a downer. Don't get too down, at least traffic is light tonight, Marie reminded him. He gazed back out the window. That it is. He took a deep breath. So, how are we looking in there? Civilians are scared shitless, but the team is holding up pretty well, all things considered, she said. Frank nodded. And Owens? He's a tough son of a bitch, I'll give him that, she said. But that bite on his hand is getting worse. I don't know how much time he has left. He drew his lip between his teeth with a soft hiss before taking another bite from the apple. There was a crackle as his communicator came to life. Captain Kyle? Bill's voice asked. It's Bill Huff, do you copy? About damn time, Frank muttered and lifted the device to his mouth. Yeah, Bill, we're here. What's the status? We've got two choppers inbound. We'll be landing on the field in 30, he replied. They should be off the ground in 20, so they'll be headed to you within the hour. Will you be ready? Copy that, Frank said. 
We'll be ready to roll. What sort of max capacity are we looking at? No more than 12 per chopper, Bill replied. I know they can handle more weight, but with the fuel situation being what it is. The captain nodded. Understood, Bill. You don't have to explain any further. It's so nice working with professionals, came the reply. Frank cracked a ghost of a smile. Likewise, we'll be seeing you soon. Ten four, Bill out. The captain took another big crunchy bite of the sweet fruit before hauling himself up to his feet. Time to get the boys. Chapter two. Reyes, I want you and Marie to get the people into groups for transport, Frank directed as he led his team across the skywalk to the parking garage. Check their credentials. Anybody who was an attendee at the conference gets moved first. It's gonna take multiple runs to move everybody, so if this goes south, at least the VIPs will be taken care of. Freeman raised an eyebrow. That's a hell of a pep talk there, Cap. Well, we're about to sound the alarm to every zombie in a 30-block radius that we're here, the captain replied. I don't know how smart these things are, but I'm betting they are attracted to sound. Man, anybody want to take a bet on how many we get out before we are overrun? The corporal asked, raising a hand. What's the over-under, Pumpkin Spice? Marie gave him a wink. Freeman grinned. For you, I'll go 39. I'll take 100 on the under, she replied. He laughed. Deal. Captain, how big do you want those groups? Marie turned her attention to Frank. He raised an eyebrow. You heard, Bill. Give them to me in groups of 12. Freeman's eyes widened. But I, these things hold 20 people. Motherfucker. His shoulders slumped, and Marie patted him on the back with a smug grin. Don't worry, Pumpkin Spice. I'm pretty sure there's an ATM in the lobby. She cooed. They reached the door to the parking garage, and Webb and Gardner took offensive positions while the others covered them. Webb unraveled the chain, and they stood at the ready to fling the doors open. We move silently and quickly, Frank reminded the group in a low voice. Guns is a last resort. Last thing we want is to alert them now. Yes, sir, his team replied in unison, and he raised his hand. All right, let's move he said, and they threw open the doors. Frank and Freeman rushed in first, lights illuminating the darkened garage from the tops of their guns. The seventh floor was nothing but a mostly empty structure with a trio of cars parked up in the valet section. Move up, Frank ordered quietly, and they marched up the incline to the next floor, scanning around them for any sign of movement. They made it all the way up to the ninth floor clearing, where there was a lone zombie shuffling aimlessly around the concrete. Frank drew his knife and darted forward, the corpse whipping around to meet him. It sprinted, and he took a quick sidestep, tripping it face first into a parking space. The captain expertly slammed his knife into the back of the zombie's head before it could screech, and it fell limp. He wiped the blood from the knife on the back of the corpse's jacket, and then bounced back up to his feet to rejoin the group. All right, now we just have to hope there's nothing below us, Freeman said. Webb grinned. Sounds like you just volunteered to check it out, Freeman. A second that, Gardner added. Freeman closed his eyes. Damn it. Hey, look at the bright side, Frank pointed out. 
At least we aren't all calling you pumpkin spice yet. I hope there is something down there, the corporal muttered as he wandered back down the ramp, because I really need to beat something to death. The trio of soldiers had a short laugh as they jogged to catch up to him. They reached the skywalk, but Webb stopped at the valet key box. Hey, Cap, he said, I've got an idea. Frank raised an eyebrow. Shoot. Let's use the cars, the corporal suggested. Yeah, we'll just head out on a leisurely Sunday evening drive. Freeman rolled his eyes. I'm in as a barricade, dumbass, Webb snapped. I know that those three vehicles aren't going to close off the entire driveway, but if we get a handful of zombies, it would at least force them into choke points. Actually, you just gave me a better idea. Frank pointed a finger at his companion. Let's get a move to the down ramp there, but aim them straight ahead. If we get a swarm of those things, we're gonna get overrun, even if they are coming through the bottleneck. Hoping some vehicular assault might have better luck. Gardner lifted a C4 block from his pack and juggled it with one hand. Especially if we attach a little of this. How much of that shit you got? Freeman asked. If the wind is blown in the right direction, I'm pretty sure I can get you to the stadium, Gardner replied. Might not be in one piece, but most of you will get there. Good to know we have a backup plan, Frank said, and clapped him on the back. All right, boys, let's get it done. We're on the clock. Chapter Three Frank and Marie stood on the skywalk, looking down at the street as Freeman led the first group of civilians across to the parking garage. First batch ready to go, Cap, he said. Frank nodded. You'd better get a move on, he replied. Bill just radioed in that the first transport is about to take off. All right, you heard the man, let's get moving. Freeman bellowed to his group and led them at a brisk pace. Frank lifted his radio to his lips. Owens, move the second batch up, he instructed. 10-4, Cap, Owens' voice crackled through. Webb, Reyes Gardner, be on alert, Frank added into the radio. Chopper is inbound. We're at the cars ready to light up whatever comes our way, Webb replied. Marie stepped closer to Frank, gun in hand. So what can I do? Watch down the other side of the street. Let me know if we have any incoming visitors, Frank instructed. They stood watching the street, the flickering flames illuminating an occasional zombie staggering across the street. Owens entered the skywalk with the next group of civilians. Next batch ready to go, Cap. Hang tight here until we unload the first batch, Frank replied. The corporal opened his mouth to say, yes, sir, but instead dissolved into a harsh coughing fit that dropped him to one knee. Marie turned to assist him, but he waved her off. I'm good, he assured her through a wheezing breath. Keep doing what you're doing. She shot Frank a concerned look, but the captain simply shrugged. He knew this wasn't the time to be worrying about it. They had a job to do. Helicopter blades sounded in the distance, and the response was almost immediate. Frank, we have a problem, Marie cried, and he darted to her side of the skywalk, where there were hundreds of zombies emerging from the shadows. They moved towards the parking garage as the chopper began its slow descent to land on top of it. A few of the civilians screamed, and the captain whipped around to see the zombies swarming the parking deck. 
Owens, get these people back to the hotel now, he screamed, and the corporal leapt into action. He motioned the crowd back, and Frank and Marie headed quickly to the other side of the skywalk to survey the scene. Marie, go with them, Frank demanded, and she darted back to help Owens usher the group back into the hotel. The captain lifted his radio as he ran into the garage. Freeman, we have incoming. Are they out yet? Negative, Freeman's voice came back. The pilot is having issues with the landing zone. Three, maybe four minutes. Fucking hell, Frank grunted and lifted the mouthpiece again. As soon as that chopper lands, you run like hell back to the hotel. Do not wait for them to take off. 10-4, Freeman replied. The captain ran down to the car defenses, the moans from the oncoming horde echoing up the cement structure. He jumped into the driver's seat of the SUV in the middle. Webb Reyes on me, he said. Rear fire positions. The two corporals leapt into the back seat, guns at the ready. He grabbed the C4 from the front seat and tossed it to Gardner. Grab the other two blocks and get that skywalk ready to blow. Middle third ought to do. He cranked up the SUV and threw it into gear, peeling off towards the down ramp as Gardner tore off in the direction of the skywalk. Frank drove down two floors and skidded into a 180 slide. They sat silently with the windows down, guns poking out into the darkness. The moans and pitter squelch of rotting flesh stampeding their way echoed around them. When they come around that corner, you light them up, Frank said firmly. Don't worry about headshots. We just want to slow them down. Webb, you got grenades? Yes, sir, the corporal replied. When we come around the next corner, drop one at that car, the captain instructed, pointing at the vehicle in question. Webb nodded. I'll make sure it's under the gas tank for maximum impact. That's my boy, Frank commended. The groans and shuffling grew louder and louder, and Frank threw the SUV into gear. He revved the engine to draw some attention. The corporals readied their weapons, watching for the first glimpse of an approaching zombie. The stampede grew louder and louder, the sounds ricocheting everywhere, until finally the first wave came into view. Without waiting for permission, Webb and Reyes unloaded full automatic fire into the oncoming horde, shredding the first few rows of them. They flew backwards, tripping up the waves behind them as Frank punched the accelerator. Webb, grenade, the captain yelled as they flew around the corner, the corporals firing all the while. Webb stopped to ready the explosive, braced himself against the window frame, and deftly lobbed the device underneath the beat-up sedan. Package delivered, he cried, as he watched the grenade bounce to exactly where he'd wanted it to go, and resumed firing. Frank sped up to get them clear of the blast, the zombies about 30 yards behind them and keeping pace. The front line of corpses were past the sedan when the grenade detonated sending hunks of metal careening through masses of decrepit flesh. Webb and Reyes continued to take them down as best they could, knocking them back. Frank screeched to a stop just before the barricade cars and leapt out of the vehicle. Head to the skywalk, he demanded, and the corporals bolted. He grabbed a briefcase from the back seat and shoved the shifter into reverse before jamming the case against the gas pedal. The SUV tore down the incline, smacking into the wave of zombies 
and running them right down the middle like a bowler getting a 7-10 split. Corpses flew through the air, but more just kept coming, climbing over their fallen brethren. The captain tore towards the skywalk, pulling a grenade as he went. He tossed it back over his shoulder like a dinner guest, throwing a pinch of salt for good luck, and skidded into the skywalk. The grenade detonated, barely phasing the oncoming mass. Just run, those doors aren't gonna hold, Frank yelled at Webb and Reyes, who were waiting for him at the handles. The trio pumped their legs as hard as they could across the skywalk making it about a third of the way before the first zombie hit. Gardner was at the far end, detonator in hand, Freeman and Owens flanking him with their guns up for cover fire. When the three running soldiers got about 10 steps past the C4, Frank cried, hit it, hit it. Gardner hesitated, wary of how close they would be to the blast. You got him, right? Yep, Freeman replied. Hit it, goddammit. Frank screamed. Gardner mashed the button, and the force of the blast knocked the trio forward to the ground, as well as a few zombies that were just on the closer edge. Freeman and Owens quickly picked off the stragglers as the captain and corporals staggered to their feet. Cap, you all right? Freeman asked. Frank sat up and shook his head, head ringing a bit from the explosion. Frank, you good man? Freeman repeated. The captain nodded and took a deep breath. Where's Gardner? The corporal approached. You all right, sir? Normally I'd be chewing you out for ignoring an order, Frank began, and shook his head a bit to try to clear it. But goddamn, you made the right call on that one. Yeah, Cap, I used a little more than usual to make sure I got the job done, Gardner said, as he helped his superior off of the ground. Frank turned to watch the zombies screeching angrily on the other side of the skywalk, plummeting to the street below like lemmings. All right, the captain said. Looks like it's time for plan B. Chapter Four Corporal Coleman approached Captain Graham, who was sitting on a bench in Fort Bragg, bobbing his head. Upon drawing nearer, he could hear rap music blasting into his comrade's ears at what seemed like a million decibels. Hey, Cap, Coleman said, sidestepping so that he was within eyesight. Terrell noticed him, but closed his eyes briefly, continuing to bob his head for a few more moments. The corporal waited patiently. Sorry, Coleman, the captain said with a sigh, pulling the buds from his ears as he turned to face his friend. Just wanted to finish that up, needed to clear my head. Rap music again, the corporal asked. Terrell straightened. You got a problem with it? No problem. Coleman raised his hands, palms up. Just don't understand the appeal. How do you find enjoyment listening to someone talk over a repetitive beat? You of all people have something against repetition? The captain rolled his eyes. Tell me, how many hours this year have you spent watching grown men drive in a circle? His companion shook his head. Come on, that's different. How? Terrell raised an eyebrow as he got to his feet. Coleman pursed his lips in thought and then smirked. Well, racing is dangerous. Drivers have been killed before. That's the best you got? The captain laughed. Shit, man, rap as a way larger body count than NASCAR. The corporal paused a moment before shaking his head and joining in the laughter. Yeah, I think you got me there. 
Terrell slung a pack of gear over his shoulder. The boy's about ready to head out? Just waiting on you, Cap, Coleman replied. All right, he agreed with a nod. Come on, I gotta go touch base with Wagner and Lynch before we go. Hopefully they'll have an update for us. Wagner's office was in complete and utter chaos. The man in question had a phone on either side of his head and another in his hand. His eyes were wild as he barked into all of the receivers at once, rustling papers around with his elbow. Lynch stood near his command bunker and waved them over. Captain, good to see you again, he greeted the pair. What have you got for me, Lynch? Terrell asked. How's it looking out there? Well, our boys are still safe and sound, as their barricaded storeroom is held up, the corporal replied. The city, on the other hand, is a clusterfuck. He tensed up for a moment, eyes growing wide at the realization that he'd just dropped an F-bomb in front of a superior officer. Terrell chuckled and patted him on the shoulder. Don't worry, man, we're R-rated. X-rated if we're in the proper company, Coleman added, waggling his eyebrows. Anyway, Lynch, the captain said. You were explaining the clusterfuck we currently find ourselves in? We've been fighting off both humans and zombies at the gates for the last few hours, the corporal replied. Lost a couple of good men to snipers, but we're relatively confident we've neutralized that threat, or at the very least, chased them away. Terrell nodded. How are the streets looking? Sunset about 45 minutes ago, but we did send a drone up just before dusk, Lynch said. The battle lines in the city solidified pretty quickly. The civilians who are left have boarded themselves up in whatever structure they could find. The zombies that aren't indoors are roaming the streets in packs. Coleman crossed his arms. Packs? How big? Most of them weren't too large, eight or ten, the younger man replied. A few of them, though, were a little more daunting. I saw one that had to be at least a hundred. Well, let's hope we only run into the small ones, huh? Coleman let out a deep breath. Terrell shook his head. I don't think it's gonna matter that much. As soon as we start making noise, every pack with an earshot is gonna be headed our way. So no gunplay, the corporal said, giving a sarcastic thumbs up. This shouldn't be difficult at all. You got a map for me, Lynch? Terrell asked, ignoring his companion. The corporal handed him a small tablet with a city map on it. Here you go, he said. GPS with a city map should help you navigate the streets. Streets are gonna be too dangerous, the captain said with a shake of his head. We're going on foot, cut through a few buildings, and hopefully stay out of sight of everyone. Risky play, Lynch shrugged, but probably less so than driving down the street in a Humvee. Yep, Terrell agreed. Kinda hard to do a rescue mission when you lead a horde of zombies right to them. The corporal nodded. What else do you need from me? When those transports get back, make sure you throw some ladders in there. He furrowed his brow. Ladders, sir? Yeah, because after we go rescue your boys, my team is gonna go secure more supplies, Terrell said. We'll get them up to the roof and load them in through the top hatch. When we have everything staged, we'll be in touch. The team can pick us up and we'll go around the neighborhood like we're trick-or-treating. That's kind of, Lynch stammered. Brilliant, Captain. Won't matter if they attract a horde as she'll be out of reach. The captain grinned. That's the plan, my man, he said, and extended his fist for a hearty bump. Coleman, you ready? The corporal grinned. You know me, Cap. Love my leisurely evening strolls.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Chapter 5 All right, guys. Coast looks clear as far as I can see, Terrell said, addressing his team. When we hop the fence, head for the side street. We're going up two blocks until we hit Mason's Furniture Store. That'll be our first cut through. When we get there, Jenkins is on lockpick duty. The rest of us are standing guard. Questions? No, sir. The team all replied in unison. The captain nodded. Well, let's move out then, he said. And the six Special Forces members set two ladders against the outer fence of Fort Bragg. He surveyed the area with night vision goggles to make sure there were no civilians or zombies creeping about, and then waved his team forward. Bennett and Coleman were first, scurrying up and hopping over. Foster and Martinez followed, and then Terrell went up with Jenkins last. As soon as their boots hit the dirt, they automatically took defensive formation, moving down the street as one. The grunts inside the fence saluted and took the ladders away to dissuade anyone from trying to break in that way. The small roadway was nearly pitch black, trees blocking the majority of the moonlight. Terrell took point with his goggles, watching the path with his green glowing view. He raised his fist to stop the men at the first intersection, peering around the corner to see a group of about 20 zombies around 30 yards away. Some of them were banging on the front door of a nearby townhouse, the others milling about randomly, as if they'd lost interest in the potential human meal inside. Terrell turned and motioned that they were going to move silently across the intersection, receiving nods all around. He hoped that the shadows would be enough to conceal them. He held up his hand, giving a countdown for everyone to see. 
on three, they swiftly moved across the intersection, quiet as could be. The captain kept his weapon aimed towards the zombies as they went, looking for any sign they were being noticed. He reached the other side first and took a knee at the corner of the building, watching intently as his team disappeared behind him. He held his breath as a zombie seemed to be squinting at him in the darkness, but then another corpse slammed its arm into a metal mailbox and distracted the whole group of rotting flesh. Terrell let out a quiet sigh of relief and then pulled back behind the building. They moved up the dark alleyway and reached the street with the furniture store. It was to their right, floor-to-ceiling windows showing off the still pristine furniture inside. There was a set of double doors in the center, ornately decorated, and almost looked out of place in the ransacked street surrounding it. Jenkins slung his gun around to his back and knelt down in front of the doors, working on the lock with deftness and speed. Thirty seconds later, there was a satisfying thunk and click as he unlatched it. We're in, he whispered and took a step inside. Immediately, a shot rang out, and the entire right half of Jenkins' face exploded in a fantastic array of blood and gray matter, his body crumpling back into the street. His five teammates immediately dove behind the display furniture, still on the sidewalk. Why the fuck ain't they firing? Coleman hissed. A loud moan broke the heavy silence, and Terrell muttered a curse under his breath at the sight of the pack of zombies they'd avoided, ambling around the corner a block away. Probably because the chicken shits don't want to get eaten, Foster cried. Another moan echoed from the other direction, and the captain swung around. We gotta move. He set his sights on the apartment building across the street, with a metal gate across the doorway. He sprinted towards it, his team hot on his heels, and they took a defensive formation as he shoved his assault rifle through the bars to hit the button release on the inner wall. He pulled it open, and they scrambled inside just as the zombies reached it. They wrestled it shut and then backed away as hands clawed in at them, trying to get a piece but getting nothing but air. Fuck, Coleman screamed. Those motherfuckers killed Jenkins. You assholes are lucky I can't get to you. He kicked at the gate with his boot, as if to accentuate his point, rattling the gate even more for the corpses between him and their unknown antagonists. That's enough, Terrell scolded, clapping a hand on his companion's shoulder. Keep your head in the game, soldier. The corporal took a deep, ragged breath and closed his eyes for a moment. His moment of zen didn't last long, however, as screams echoed from the narrow hallway behind them. Martinez and Bennett took a knee, taking lower firing positions as the others raised their guns over their heads. At the sound of inhuman shrieks, Terrell lowered his night vision and opened fire into the bright green trio of zombies running at him. Bennett and Martinez helped shred the oncoming creatures, the bodies flopping to the carpet just before they reached the cluster of men in the narrow hallway. Bennett, Foster, keep watch. Terrell instructed, and slid out of the way so they could get past him to the gate. The captain strained his ears, making sure there were no more groans or moans from their general vicinity inside the building. So what's the play, Cap? Coleman asked, as Terrell pulled out his GPS. 
He tapped on the screen. I think I got us a new route, he said. No, the corporal replied firmly. What's the play on those assholes who killed Jenkins? Terrell straightened his shoulders. We don't have one. What the fuck, Cap? Coleman snapped. You need to watch your tone, corporal, the captain said, voice low and menacing, and his companion took a step back under the intimidation. I want vengeance for Jenkins just as much as you do, but right now we need to focus on the mission at hand. We'd use up every bit of ammo we had, just clearing a path to take them out, and we got more pressing issues to deal with. The corporal sighed deeply, turning to gaze out the gate at the furniture store. He glowered at the pack of zombies in his way, brow furrowed. Terrell, satisfied, turned back to the GPS, zooming in on the map to make sure his new route was viable. Hey, Cap, Coleman piped up. Give me three bullets. The captain raised an eyebrow, impatience on his face. You gonna get your vengeance with three bullets? Yep, the corporal replied, puffing out his chest. All right, three bullets, Terrell said, waving him off. Have at it. Coleman grinned deviously and headed for the gate. Hey, Martinez, can you give me a boost? Martinez let out a torrent of coughs, taking a moment to regain composure. Once settled, he braced himself and stuck his right leg out like a stepping stool. Sure thing. The corporal planted one foot on his companion's leg, hopped up, and put his other foot on the wall so that he could see over the zombies at the gate. He carefully took aim between the bars and then fired. The sound of glass shattering permeated the street, and he fired two more times, blowing out the other two windows of the furniture store. He hopped down, and then there were numerous gunshots from inside the store to return fire. The zombies immediately realized they had a better chance at a meal across the street, and a pack of them ran for the store. The group heard more gunshots, moans, and snarls, until there was silence in the street. Vengeance in three shots, Coleman declared. Terrell nodded, impressed. And you partially cleared the street for us, he agreed. Well played, Corporal. Just doing my part, Cap, he replied with a grin. Terrell clapped him on the shoulder and slid the tablet back into his pocket. All right, men, we're burning moonlight. Let's get rolling. Chapter 6 Frank lifted his radio to his lips. Build, you copy? He asked, brow furrowed. The civilians mingled about the second-floor conference room, his team making sure that the corridors were on constant watch in case of any uninvited guests. Captain, good to hear your voice, Bill replied through the receiver. The boys in the chopper said you had a bit of a situation. Owens hissed as Marie wrapped new bandages around his hand, and Frank gave his shoulder a reassuring squeeze. The corporal needed to rest, and they'd laid him down on a neighboring table. That's an understatement, he said. The VIPs make it safely? Yes, sir, getting them settled as we speak, Bill replied, and Freeman let out a deep sigh of relief from behind Marie. And based on the conference program one of them was carrying, you were able to secure some of the heavyweights in the industry. Good to know it wasn't all for nothing, Frank said. 
Bill clicked his end on, but paused a beat before asking, So, do you have any idea of how you are getting back here? Still kicking it around, the captain replied, trying to sound light. Once we have our terrible desperation plan in place, I'll be in touch. Let me know what you need, Bill replied immediately. Bill out. Frank leaned back in his chair, curling his arms behind his head. He was the picture of perfect relaxation, save for the lines on his forehead that gave him away. All right, floor is open, he began. Who's got a bright idea on how we can move 70 people across a cannibal-infested city? Freeman, Marie, and Owens glanced blankly at each other, seeming to struggle to come up with anything even remotely intelligent. Do we need to be in a huge rush? Freeman broke the silence with a shrug. This place is pretty posh. Might do us some good to get in a little spa treatment and some five-star dining. He licked his lips. Marie raised an eyebrow. And what happens in a week when we run out of food and the numbers of zombies have gone up exponentially? Not to mention there are about a thousand different ways this place can be breached, Frank added. We need to get out of here tonight. Freeman's shoulders sagged. Are there any other places a chopper could land? He asked, worrying his lip. I mean that we could actually get to. Hey, Chad, Frank called, waving over the hotel employee. Can we borrow you for a minute? The wiry man got up from his table and strode over, his uniform still flawlessly in place. Yes, sir, he asked formally, standing in front of the quartet. Are there any places a helicopter might be able to land that we could actually get to? The captain asked. I'm sorry, but no, Chad replied, shaking his head in disappointment. That's the only above-ground parking deck for 10 blocks. Our building isn't equipped to handle a landing, and I can't think of any others nearby that are either. Freeman clucked his tongue. Well, fuck. Chad, why don't you have a seat and join us? Frank invited, pulling a chair from behind him to join the group. You know the downtown area better than any of us, and we might have more questions. The hotel employee pinked a little and took a step towards the seat. Thank you, sir. Oh, hey, before you sit down, can I get a coffee? Freeman asked. He blinked as Marie and Frank glared at him and then raised his eyebrows in incredulity. What, it's gonna be a long night and I could use a caffeine boost. How about manners, dumbass, Marie snapped. Please, Chad cut in, putting his hands up. It's quite all right, would anyone else care for coffee? Yes, please, thank you, Chad, Marie replied, eyeing Freeman. Frank nodded. Yeah, thanks, buddy, he said. Edward? Chad yelled, and a young hotel employee near knocked his chair over in his scramble to run over to the group. Yes, sir, he asked, breathless as he reached them. Can you please get us a fresh pot of coffee and some mugs? Coming right up, sir, Edward replied, and scurried off to secure refreshments. Chad sat down in the previously offered chair and noticed the blank stares of the group. Well, you said you needed my expertise, he replied sheepishly and seeing as how this is the last day I'm going to be a manager of anything, I wanted to use my powers of delegation before I lose them. Freeman chuckled. I like this guy. Chad, are there any employee parking areas? Marie asked. Any vehicles we can get to at all? No, we're not even allowed to use the parking deck, the hotel attendant replied. 
We have to use the park and ride outside of town. What about the walkways? Frank cut in. Where all do they connect to? Well, there are only two remaining ones, Chad explained. There's the shopping mall one, then another one that just goes into a small room with an elevator to take people down to the park. Freeman laughed. Hey, we've got a bunch of tables and luggage carts. Let's strap one to the other and have a rolling fortress through the streets. He raised his fist. We'll be like modern-day Spartans. That is the single stupidest idea I've ever heard, Pumpkin Spice. Marie rolled her eyes. He raised an eyebrow. In my defense, you weren't there for Gardner's C4 idea. Even so, I'd still put my money on you, she sneered. He winked at her. Good to know you still have faith in me. She smiled and shook her head. Frank sighed. Come on, guys, we need real ideas. What about the transports? Owens piped up, and everyone turned to look at the horizontal man. Go on, the captain urged. Didn't Bill say they were going to park them at the bus depot? The corporal asked. Frank nodded. Yeah, he did. Well, we're a bunch of badasses, Owens wheezed. So we get over there, commandeer them, and save the day. Freeman chuckled. I like it, but how are we getting the people in? Well, Gardner has already showed that those skywalks aren't the strongest, Marie said. We could break through and load them in at the mall one. Owen's eyes fluttered closed to rest some more, now that the conversation had been taken over again. Looks like this one is the winner by default, Frank agreed. Chad, how close can we get to the depot without being on the ground? Edward approached with a tray of mugs and a coffee pot, and as he leaned over to set it on the table, Chad plucked the pen out of his breast pocket. He started to sketch across the white tablecloth. Okay, we're here, he said as he finished a crude map of downtown. If you go through the mall, there's another walkway that leads to an office building. There's a connector from the office building to an apartment high-rise. It's only about three and a half blocks up from there on a side street, but you'll be on the ground. Frank nodded. With any luck, all the noise we've made here will have drawn the zombies from that area to over here. Looks like we're going shopping, Marie said. Freeman chuckled. You women and your shopping. She tilted her head to glare at him. You want to get your ass beat by a girl? Her voice was low and menacing, and Freeman stood up from his seat abruptly. I, Cap, I'll go get the boys ready, he stammered. Frank grinned. Probably a good idea. Freeman grabbed his coffee cup and took Chad's arm. Come on, bud, gonna need you to draw us a map on something we can carry. Owens hacked as the duo headed away, a nice glob of pinkish phlegm hitting the carpet with a wet plop. Frank, we need to talk about Owens, Marie said quietly. I'm not sure he's fit to be in the field. The captain crossed his arms. He's holding his own, but please share your concerns. Between the virus and the infected hand bite, she began, pausing as the corporal hacked again. And the coughing fits, he doesn't have long. What do you propose? Frank asked. She took a deep breath. There are lots of hotel suites he'd be comfortable in. I, I don't know. The captain chewed his lip. You guys are aware that this virus causes zombification, not deafness, right? Owens groaned. 
He sat up as Frank and Marie glanced at each other in embarrassment and readied his weapon. I'm only going to say this once, so listen the fuck up. I'd rather walk into a crowd of those fuckers holding a block of C4 than spend my last hours being all cozy in some overpriced fucking hotel room. I'm a warrior, and I'm going to go out a warrior. Anybody have a fucking problem with that? The other two shook their heads in unison. Good. Owens glanced at the empty coffee pot. Now where's that coffee, boy? I could use a cup. Marie motioned towards Edward. He's over by the door there. Owens nodded to Frank. Cap? He acknowledged as he got to his feet, and then nodded to Marie. Ma'am? Then he headed off in search of a caffeine boost. Looks like we got our answer. Frank let out a deep breath. She shook her head. He's a tough motherfucker, but I'm still gonna be keeping an eye on him, she promised. Frank smiled. I wouldn't expect anything less. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chapter 7 Okay, Chad, Frank said as they took formation around the door to the mall. When we get through these doors, I want you to shut them, gently, I might add. You give us three minutes before chaining them back up, just in case we have to make a hasty retreat. Then I'm going to need you to make sure this door is constantly manned. I doubt we're going to be coming back through here, but I don't want to be locked out if we do. The hotel attendant nodded gravely. Yes, sir, I'll make sure it's taken care of. Frank clapped him on the back. Good man. So according to Chad, the walkway to the office building is about 150 yards away. Freeman piped up. It's a straight shot, but it's a hell of a haul. He shoved the hand-drawn map back into his breast pocket. The captain nodded. Hopefully they've thinned out a bit since the last time we were here, he said. Oh, and be prepared to run like a motherfucker if we get discovered, Freeman added. Marie rolled her eyes. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Hey, it's better than pumpkin spice, the corporal replied with a shrug. She winked at him. Captain Pumpkin Spice it is. God damn it, he muttered. Frank shook his head in amusement. 
When we get to the skywalk, Reyes and Gardner are on chain duty. Lock that son of a bitch up tight. Freeman and Webb, you're on cleanup duty in the walkway. If it's moving, shoot it. Owens, Marie, the three of us are support. Everybody good? He paused for a round of, yes, sir, and nodded. All right, let's hit it. Gardner and Reyes readied themselves at the doors as the captain counted down from three. At one, they flung the doors open, and Frank and Freeman led the charge through into the mall. There was a small group of zombies milling about across the open gap in the floor, with one rogue one facing away from them against the railing. Frank darted up and buried his knife in the back of its head, catching the body as it crumpled so they would stay silent. He watched the small group down the way to make sure they hadn't noticed the intruders, and then motioned for his group to move. Chad and the hotel staff very gently shut the doors behind them. Frank led his caravan through the mall, senses on high alert. A small group of five zombies wandered out from a storefront, and the two lead soldiers readied their knives. One of the corpses shrieked when it noticed them, echoing throughout the hallway. His cover blown, the captain popped off a shot in the zombie's face, blowing its head clean off. Freeman and Owen squeezed off several rounds, finishing off the others in the pack. The gunshots echoed, making way for the sound of zombie moans and screams growing louder and louder. Run, Frank cried, and the group tore off through the mall. Eighty yards to the skywalk. Zombies poured out of every hallway and storefront. Ten zombies staggered into their path from a clothing store, random scarves and tank tops stuck to their rotting flesh as they burst through the displays. Freeman, bowl them over! Frank yelled, and he and the corporal unloaded a barrage of bullets into the fashionista zombies in front of them. They staggered and dropped a few, and when the duo reached them, they lowered their shoulders like linebackers to take them out. The domino effect sent most of the corpses to the tiles, creating a lane for the group to run through. Fifty yards to the skywalk. Almost a hundred zombies screamed after them, slowly gaining as the soldiers ran. Gardner peeked over his shoulder and saw that the gap between them was only about 20 yards and pulled a grenade. He dropped it on the floor as he ran. Fire in the hole, he yelled. Their pursuers swarmed over it just as it detonated. It didn't kill a ton of them, but did a great job of knocking them to the ground and tripping up the ones behind them for a few precious moments. 20 yards to the skywalk. Freeman and Frank were the first to spot the zombies in the walkway and opened fire as they continued to run towards their destination. They struck two of them in the chest, sending them tumbling back into their brethren. And as Frank crossed the threshold, they took out the remaining stumbling corpses behind. Owens, help them with the doors, the captain barked. Webb on me. Freeman, Frank, and Webb took a triangle formation, the latter in center rear, as they quickly moved down the walkway. The zombies, still writhing, received bullets in the head, and then the trio raised their guns to the new ones barreling towards them from the office building. At first, it was just a trickle, but as they got closer to the doorway, they saw a flood of corpses tearing down the inner stairs. We need chains! Freeman screamed back over his shoulder, 
and the three of them slammed their bodies into the doors to attempt to close them. Gardner, Reyes, and Owens weren't paying attention, struggling to get their own set of doors closed and chained. Marie grabbed one of the lengths of chain from the floor and sprinted towards the office building. She dropped it at their feet, pulling her handgun to fire at the two zombies wedged in between the doors. She grabbed the fallen corpses and jerked them inside, allowing the soldiers to get the doors officially shut. Once secured and chained, the three men collapsed to the ground as the other trio approached them. Maldors are secure, Reyes said. They ain't getting through there. Same with these, Webb replied, chest heaving. Unfortunately, we aren't getting through them either. Freeman sighed. Well, we made it a block at least. You still owe me a hundred bucks, Marie teased. You better not be giving up that easy. He shrugged. Maybe we can hit the street. He leaned over and looked down at the road, where a sea of zombies stared straight back up at him. Or not. Frank looked up towards the office building, noting a set of windows directly over the skywalk. Freeman, you like the Jeffersons, don't you? What sort of cold-hearted, soulless person doesn't like the Jeffersons? The corporal replied, putting a shocked hand to his heart. Well, we're gonna emulate them, Frank nodded, because we're moving on up. He pointed, and the team all looked at the window, gathering around. Freeman nodded. All right, if someone boosts me up there, I'm pretty sure I can get that pane of glass dislodged, and Marie cut him off by firing two shots in rapid succession at the glass, shattering it. The corporal jumped back to avoid the shower of glass, mind reeling. We can get climbing. He trailed off and then glared at the woman when he realized what had actually happened. Webb, Freeman, give me a boost, Frank instructed, and the two soldiers came together to lift him up on top of the skywalk. The roof was about ten feet off the ground, and he had to really reach to manage to get a handhold. He grunted as he lifted himself up through the hole. You good, Cap? Freeman called. Yeah, give me a minute, Frank replied. Gonna peek in at the office and see what we're in for. He moved cautiously across the metal struts of the skywalk, not wanting to risk putting weight on any of the glass. He reached the building and cupped his hands around his face to peek inside. There was a darkened cubicle farm, but he couldn't make out any specific movement. He made his way back to the hole and looked down at the expectant faces of his team. I don't see any movement in there, which means there's probably a thousand of those fuckers in there, but it's our best bet at this point. He knelt and then laid face down to take Webb's outstretched arm as they boosted him up. Mind the glass, don't know how strong it is. One by one, they all climbed up on top and soon they stood in two single-file lines across the metal struts facing the office building. Looks like there's a conference room to the right, the captain said. That's our rally point, so if we aren't alone in there, we'll at least have a fighting chance. He nodded to Freeman, who was beside him in front, and they both fired several shots into the giant window. It shattered in a fantastic display of sparkling glass shards. As soon as the last large piece fell, they hopped over the sill quickly, doing a tactical sweep as they led the way to the conference room. Freeman immediately ran across it to the front door, a zombie surprising him in the doorway. 
He ducked in shock and tripped it up, holding it by the throat as it hit the floor. He slammed the door repeatedly into its head until there was a gooey mass where its head had been. He raised his gun at the sound of moans and movement in the darkness of the corridor. We got company, Cap. Where are we going? The corporal asked. Frank strode over to him. We gotta go across, he said. You wanna run or bait him? Freeman asked, but Owens devolved into a harsh coughing fit. The captain and corporal glanced at each other and immediately closed and locked the door, heading back over as Marie helped Owens into a chair. He spat a glob of blood between his shoes and sputtered for a moment before standing up, running the back of his hand across his mouth. Sorry about that, Cap. I'm good to go, he said firmly. Frank nodded. You're good, Owens. They all jumped as a zombie slammed against the conference room window. Two more followed, all of them in business casual, gaping wounds across their throats and arms. Webb wrinkled his nose. Looks like they had a meeting this morning that went south real quick, he said, pointing at the blood-spattered whiteboard. Several of the chairs had been knocked over, and Freeman stepped up to the window. He knocked loudly on the glass. Anybody else out there? he yelled. Another zombie staggered forward to join its co-workers, but no other corpses came forward. Line them up, boys, Frank instructed, and they stepped up to the window, each aiming at a zombie. In unison, they fired, dropping all of the corpses through the glass. The other walkway is straight across, the captain said. Stay frosty, though. Freeman opened the door quietly, peeking out and then Frank led the way through. There was a loud banging sound behind one of the walls, but the doors were all sealed, so they ignored it. When they got to the opposite side of the building, Frank looked down the window at the end of the hallway, at the roof of the skywalk below. Hand me that chair, Freeman, he suggested, and the corporal grabbed an office chair from the cubicle behind him and rolled it to the captain. Frank swung the legs into the glass a few times, and on the third swing, the window shattered, the chair flying right through it and bouncing off the skywalk to the street below. Freeman, you're up, Frank instructed. Get across and check the apartment building. The corporal saluted. On it, Cap. He lowered himself from the window, down onto a metal strut, and carefully walked across to the other side. He peered into the apartment hallway and then turned to give Frank a thumbs up. Marie, you're next, the captain said, holding out his hand to her. One by one, he lowered the team down to the skywalk roof. Gardner was the last one to go down and began to cross as the banging from inside the hallway suddenly stopped. Cap, you okay? He asked, turning to look up at the gaping window. Frank turned to answer him when a zombie suddenly screeched at him. The captain whipped around and raised his weapon but the corpse was on him too fast. He managed to grab the zombie's throat, but the force of impact was enough to fling them both out the window. He vaguely heard his team shrieking for him as his back hit the glass roof of the skywalk, the zombie's only mission to snap wildly at his face. The glass gave way mere seconds later, sending them both falling into the walkway. Frank managed to roll over, driving his attacker's head into the floor and liquefying it upon impact. 
Holy fuck, Cap, Gardner cried, the closest to the shattered roof. He reached down through the hole at his dazed comrade. I got you, Cap, come on, he urged, eyes wild. Frank finally came to his senses and leapt to his feet. But before he was able to reach up, several zombies burst through the skywalk door. He tore down the hallway, and the corporal screamed, lowering his gun to open fire at the oncoming horde. Reyes shot out the glass beneath him, and he and Freeman knelt down at the approaching Frank. Come on, Cap, you got this, Reyes yelled, stretching his arm down as far as it would go. Frank skidded to a stop as zombies crashed through the apartment doors on the other side, quickly overtaking Reyes and Freeman's position. He looked from side to side, realizing he was trapped, and then saw a broken down bus on its side underneath the skywalk. He fired off a few shots into the window and then leapt through it as it shattered, just out of reach of the clawing fingers grasping for his flesh. He landed hard on the bus, about ten feet down, and did a shoulder roll to minimize the impact as best he could. At the thuds of zombies falling after him, he took off running and skidded down to the asphalt, whipping around to aim. A few shots rang out, and he looked up to see Gardner and Reyes had taken the corpses out. Gardner gave him a thumbs up, but the moment was short-lived as more zombies thumped down in pursuit. They gave cover fire, watching helplessly as Frank turned and tore off into the night. Freeman was pale and wide-eyed, his team turning to him to issue new orders. Marie pursed her lips at the realization that he was in shock. Hey, she said, and punched him in the shoulder. You got this, Freeman, so what are we doing? He shook himself and gave her a nod, silently thanking her for the return to reality. All right, listen up. We're gonna get in here, find us a vacant apartment, and give the captain ten minutes to make contact, he said firmly. If we don't hear from him, we press on. The mission is still the same, and we have seventy-some-odd people who need our help. Y'all with me? There was a round of yes, sir, and he nodded, shooting out the window into the apartment building. Chapter 8 Frank ran across the darkened street hugging the wall to minimize his visibility in the shadows as best he could. He knelt down at the first door he found and gently pushed on it, but it wouldn't budge. He approached an intersection and noted a horde of zombies down the block. A car fire burned nearby, illuminating the crossing. He clenched his jaw. He'd surely be spotted if he tried to cross there. There were a few rows of cars bridging the intersection, all of them bumper to bumper in a pile-up. The captain sighed to himself, knowing that way would be even more dangerous with so many places for zombies to be hiding. But the risk to remain undetected seemed worth it, so he ducked low, shimmying over two sedans into the gap between numerous wrecks. He drew his knife and handgun, hoping to not have to use the latter, but figuring that if he had to go down, he could go down knowing he took some of them with him. Frank stayed crouched as he moved, swift and silent and out of sight of the windows of the smashed cars. As he approached the fire car, he took a knee and then quickly rolled away as a bloody hand smacked into the top of his head. He gazed up 
an overweight zombie trapped in the back of a luxury car. The arm hung out of the window, but it was only halfway down, making the rotund corpse zero threat to the captain. He turned his attention back to the fire car, flames billowing in and out of the alleyway depending on the direction of the wind. Frank took a quick, hard breath and sprinted towards it, doing a barrel roll through the flames, and landed on his knees on the other side. He slapped at his shoulder, where a little flame had caught him, and then took off down the row of cars as quickly as he could, back into the shadows. When he reached the original source of the pileup, he raked his eyes over the sedan stopped dead in its tracks by a corpse in the windshield. The neighboring lane housed an SUV with bloody dents all over the front grille, telling a story of meeting a horde that morning. He moved back into the shadows and up to the next storefront, which was a coffee shop. Frank gently pushed on the door, meeting no resistance this time, and stepped inside. He clicked the deadbolt quietly behind him and did a quick sweep of the shop. A few of the tables had been knocked over, and there was a dark blood spatter across the specials board that boasted pumpkin spice latte with a hand-drawn jack-o'-lantern in a coffee mug. Frank chuckled and ducked behind the counter, finally relaxing his tensed muscles. He lifted his radio to his lips. Hey, pumpkin spice, you there? He asked. There was a crackle, then Freeman clicked through. That's Captain Pumpkin Spice to you, buddy. They shared a relieved laugh. Everybody else safe? Frank asked. Yeah, we're good, Cap, the corporal replied. Found us an overpriced apartment to hole up in. Good to know I picked the right second in command, the captain said. Freeman clucked his tongue. Damn right you did. Now where are you? Frank paused. Some coffee shop about a block and a half in the wrong direction from where you need to go. We can make a detour, Freeman immediately replied. Negative, Corporal, the captain shot back firmly. You get to those transports and you complete the mission. That's an order. Freeman sighed. We'll get it done, Captain, he said reluctantly. I have no doubt, Frank replied. What about you, though, came the soft question. I'm gonna see if I can work my way back towards the stadium, the captain told him. Might have you pick me up with the transports if I can find a good spot. I'll keep you posted on our progress, Freeman promised. Likewise, Frank agreed. Be safe, Freeman. You too, Captain. He switched off his radio and leaned back against the cabinet. He looked up at the counter to see if there was something he could make to give himself a little boost. The bottle of pumpkin spice flavoring was right at the forefront, and he chuckled again. Eh, what the hell, he asked himself, and got to his feet, pouring the syrup into the bottom of an empty cup. At least I'm smart enough to do this out of sight. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Chapter 9 Terrell led his team across an abandoned department store 
taking a knee at the front window. The journey from the apartment building had been significantly less exciting than the first few blocks, and that suited the captain just fine. He pulled out a pair of binoculars and peered across the street at the big box store. There were a few zombies milling about the parking lot, with some of them around the transport that didn't appear to have been breached. He handed the binoculars to Coleman, who took a look. We gotta assume there are just as many of those things inside as there are outside, Terrell said. The corporal sighed as he lowered the binoculars. Any bright ideas, Cap? Terrell took the device back and looked again. He noticed a secure ladder bolted to the side of the building. There was a protective covering on it, making the first exposed rung about eight feet off of the ground. He handed the binoculars back. Right side of the building, ladder to the roof, he said. Figure we can get up there and find a way in. Coleman nodded. And then what? Terrell shrugged. Fuck if I know, he replied. We'll figure it out as we go. Good a plan as any, I suppose, the corporal conceded. Martinez, Bennett, Foster, you guys hang tight here, Terrell instructed. Once we get a lay of the land in there, I'll tell you where I need you. Martinez nodded. Works for me, Cap, I could use a break. He coughed violently and took a seat. Terrell looked on with concern and was met with a half-hearted thumbs up from Martinez. We're on the move, Terrell said, and waved for Coleman to follow him. They slipped out of the department store and moved about 50 yards parallel to the big box store. They hugged the tree-lined driveway to conceal their approach, crouching in the shadows. Terrell faced the tree-line, and Coleman kept watch on the parking lot horde, the two of them moving in practiced unison. At the end of the driveway, they continued across the grass beside the building, and then took a knee. They surveyed the surroundings, and then Terrell turned. You lead, he whispered. Give me a boost and I'll pull you up. Coleman nodded and crouch walked the final distance to the ladder. Terrell paused for a moment and then followed, moving quickly as the corporal crouched into a launching pad. In a move that would make Cirque du Soleil proud, they executed a perfect boost. Terrell grabbed the exposed rung and pulled himself up by his arms a few rungs before he got a foothold. He reached down and Coleman leapt to grasp his arm and hook a leg up into the bottom rung. They climbed to the top silently and then popped up onto the roof, defensive positions in case there were zombies about. Well, that went a hell of a lot better than I expected, Coleman said, after they determined the roof was clear. No kidding, Terrell agreed. Come on, let's find the storeroom. He led the way across the space, looking for any sort of access panel or ventilation duct. Hey, Cap, the corporal hissed. I think I found something. He waved his superior over, and Terrell peered down into the giant fan below. It appeared to go directly into the storeroom, the blades perfectly still. Hello? Anybody home? The captain called down the shaft, voice echoing a bit. He glanced around, but no zombies came into view. Hand me that brick, he said, and Coleman grabbed the stray brick on the edge of the roof's half wall. Terrell dropped it through the vent, and it crashed spectacularly against the cement floor, sending a huge clap reverberating through the storeroom. A few moments passed, 
and then a few people stepped into view, a store employee and a few guys in military uniforms. Howdy, y'all, Terrell greeted. Heard you were in need of some rescuing. Well, hallelujah, one of the privates said with a grin. I thought we were abandoned. Sorry about that, the captain replied. It's a bit of a motherfucker out here, so it took us a while to get across town. The private nodded. Just glad you're here now. What's your name, soldier? Terrell asked. Private Dixon. He saluted up at the captain. All right, Dixon, what's the situation down there? There's eight of us holed up in here, the private replied. Doors are bolted shut so they can't get in. Terrell nodded. Any idea how many zombies are in the store? No clue, sir, Dixon replied with a shake of his head. We were here in the back when the store was overrun. We heard gunfire and screaming coming from the front. I went to the door to check it out and had to slam it shut before half a dozen of those things got to me. A few more seconds, and there wouldn't have been anyone in need of rescue. You did good, Dixon, Terrell commended. Eight people are alive because of you. You boys sit tight while we figure out how to get you all out. Excuse me, Mr. Soldier Man? The teenager in the store uniform squeaked. May I say something? The captain smiled. What can I do for you, overly polite store employee? My name is Jeff. I'm the assistant manager, the boy replied, voice a little calmer. If you go to the far end of the roof, there's a small gray hatch that will lead down into the manager's office. It should be unlocked because the manager always snuck out to the roof for a smoke break. I made sure to lock the office up tight before helping these nice men, so there won't be any of those, those people in there, and it overlooks the entire store. Terrell nodded. Well, Jeff, if I have any say in the matter, you just got a promotion to manager. Thank you, sir, Jeff grinned, eyes lighting up. No, thank you, the captain replied. Hang tight, we'll be right back. Terrell and Coleman moved across the roof to the aforementioned hatch. Next to it was a giant bucket of sand that was more cigarette butts than sand. The corporal popped the hatch open, and his superior peered down, weapon drawn. Looks like we're clear, he said, and shimmied himself down into the office. Coleman dropped down beside him, and they flipped the light on. Cap, did we just hit a time warp? The corporal asked with amusement, taking in the wood-paneled office with matted-down shag carpet and a metal desk. I feel like we just stepped back into 1979. Let's hope not. Terrell wrinkled his nose. I'd rather live in a world with zombies than one dominated by disco and bell-bottoms. I'd argue with that, Coleman agreed. They moved to the large sliding glass window. The captain threw it open, immediately able to hear the dull roar of moans and shuffling feet. The PA system squealed as the corporal lifted the manager's microphone to his lips. Attention, Thrift Mart shoppers, we are now running a special on whoop-ass, Coleman said in a jovial tone, voice echoing through the speakers. Please proceed to the back office to claim your free can. The moans intensified, and Terrell reached out to smack on the wall beneath the window, drawing a crowd of zombies a few dozen strong. Man, we still need to get the ones from the outside to get in here, the captain muttered, and then pulled his binoculars. He saw the front doors of the store were closed, the zombies bumping against it, not able to get in. He lifted his radio to his mouth. Foster, you copy? There was a crackle before the corporal replied. 
I got you, Cap. We're about to pop off a few shots, Terrell explained. Wanted to make sure you fellas knew we weren't in danger. Good to know, Foster replied. You got a plan for us? Yeah, we're gonna open the front door for those things and hopefully lure them in, the captain said. When I give the signal, I want you three to come in and work your way to the back. The shelving units look pretty sturdy, so try and get an elevated position. Then we'll just pick them off. Just give us the signal, the corporal agreed. Terrell stepped out of the way and motioned to the window. Well, go ahead, Coleman. You're my glass breaker after all. The corporal grinned and aimed at the front glass doors. He squeezed off a handful of shots, the windows shattering easily. The duo yelled and started banging on the wall, and zombies poured in through the new path open to them. How's it looking out there? Terrell asked into the radio. Foster crackled back. Couple of stragglers, but we can take them out. When you hear us start firing, move on up, the captain instructed. They reached out the window and aimed straight down at the zombies, grasping up in vain at their potential prey. I'll take right, you take left, Terrell said, and Coleman nodded. They unleashed a steady stream of shots, carefully taking aim to drop the zombies one by one in the most efficient manner without wasting a single bullet. Across the street, Foster raised his hand. That's our signal, let's go, he said. The trio of soldiers ran across the street to the mostly empty parking lot. As they approached the doors, there were a couple of zombies that couldn't quite figure out how to get through the doorframe. They turned around at the sound of footsteps, but the soldiers took them out with silent knives to the face. Foster led them inside, motioning for Martinez to go right and Bennett to go left. They split off down different aisles, each climbing to the top of the big shelving units. They walked along the tops, reaching their new snipers' nests. In the back corner, Terrell and Coleman had been able to take out a few dozen zombies, corpses littering the floor. Foster gave his captain a brief salute, and the trio added to the firefight. The zombies fell even faster, and after a few minutes of continuous efficient shooting, the floor was a mound of corpses in a cauldron of death, not a single zombie even twitching. Martinez coughed as he climbed down from the shelves. That was a hell of a plan there, Cap. Thanks, Terrell replied with a grin. Kind of proud of that one myself. Foster nodded. What's next, Cap? He dropped to the floor with a soft thud. Foster, you go free our friends from the storeroom, Terrell instructed. Martinez, Bennett, I want you to secure the front. We just made a hell of a lot of noise, and we need to make sure we didn't attract more hostiles. There was a round of, yes, sir, and the trio headed off in separate directions. What about us, Cap? Coleman asked. Terrell turned to him. We get to study a map and figure out where to go next. We have a lot of shopping to get done by morning. Chapter 10 Frank moved through the shadows along a tree-lined side street. The last six blocks had taken him outside the heart of the city, but he knew better than to let his guard down. There could still be a horde around any corner. The neighborhood was a mix of high-end residential condos and posh niche shops. He passed by a little boutique that sold only scarves and couldn't help but think, 
This place only stays open because of the trophy wives spending $400 on a scarf made by a sweatshop worker who makes less than that in a year. It was a heady experience to think about how all of that was gone. None of it mattered anymore. That the apocalypse had taken away the sweatshops and trophy wives and scarf peddlers. He shivered. A few fancy cars dotted the road, but for the most part, it was clear. As he worked his way forward, there was a slight movement in his peripheral vision. He raised his weapon and froze, but there was nothing more. He continued slowly, senses straining, and approached an intersection. Fuck, he muttered to himself quietly as he looked around the empty streets. I have no idea where I am. There was a small hotel on the corner. All the lights were off, save for a faint glow coming from one of the back rooms. He moved forward to investigate, knowing that he needed a safe place to get his bearings. The door was locked, so he slammed his elbow into the small vintage glass pane just above the door handle. He opened the deadbolt through the new hole and let himself in. He locked the door behind him and took in the dim decor. For the first time that day, there were no signs of a struggle, no blood anywhere. He stayed vigilant, however, gun raised and finger on the trigger. There was a shuffling sound that seemed to come from the lit room in the back, and he cautiously moved towards it. He waited and then grabbed the handle, throwing the door open and readying his gun. A twenty-something Latina woman screamed and held a knife in front of her. Her shirt was soaked with blood, eyes wild, hair tousled. Whoa, whoa, Frank said, immediately dropping his arm. It's okay, girl. I'm not gonna hurt you. My name is Frank. What's your name? She muttered something in Spanish, and he relaxed his stance. Frank, he repeated, pointing to himself. No habla espanol. She nodded and mimicked his movement, pointing to herself. Millie, she said, accent thick. No English. He sighed, realizing his day just got a hell of a lot more complicated. He raised his radio to his mouth. Bill, you there? Captain, what's your status? Bill immediately replied. I'm just outside the downtown area at some little boutique hotel called... Frank paused and rummaged on the desk for a business card. The nightcap. Give me a moment, Bill said, the sound of keyboard clicks in the background. Okay, looks like you are about ten blocks due south of the stadium. Frank sighed. Man, I'm way the fuck out here. And I'm afraid you're on your own, too, Bill replied, regret lacing his voice. Just heard from Corporal Freeman, and they are approaching the bus depot. He reported heavy resistance, so they are going to be hard-pressed to get back here in one piece as it is. Yeah, I figured as much, Frank replied. And it's going to take some time for me to work my way north. They don't need to be holding up things just for me. Agreed, Bill said. Sorry, that sounded harsh. It's all good, Bill, the captain assured him, lightening his tone. I've been expendable most of my life. Frankly, it would be weird if I were worth saving. Don't worry, Captain. We're gonna get you home, Bill replied. Frank furrowed his brow. Well, if you have an idea, I'm all ears. 
As a matter of fact, I believe I do. The captain chuckled. Well, that's why you get the big bucks, right? Wait, Bill laughed back. We're getting paid for this? What you got for me, Bill? Frank asked. So instead of coming due north to the stadium, I'm gonna need you to go west a couple of blocks before making the turn, came the reply. The practice field is on the other side of the parking lot, about 300 yards away from the stadium. The zombie horde hasn't expanded that far out, so if you are lucky, you should be able to make it there without attracting them. Sounds easy enough, Frank said with a nod, crossing the small room to peer outside. So how am I getting to you guys? On the east side of the field, there is a nondescript blue outbuilding, Bill said. Inside is an underground walkway that connects the practice facility to the stadium. I will make sure that door is unlocked for you. Frank tensed. Whoa, 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 don't do that, he said quickly. I don't want to endanger the fortress. Relax, Captain, Bill said. I have men stationed on the stadium end of the tunnel. We also have it wired to blow if the door is breached and have it under constant surveillance. In a perfect world, we had this tunnel earmarked as an escape hatch. But right now, the priority is getting you back safely. That said, if you could manage to sneak in undetected, that would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, no problem, the captain replied, voice dripping with sarcasm. I'll just quietly make my way through 10,000 zombies. Well, according to our last estimate, the crowd outside has grown to 30, Bill said. Frank let out a whoosh of breath. Fucking hell, he breathed. So is that your way of telling me to hurry up? Well, Captain, you are in charge, so it's not my place to tell you what to do, came the pert reply. That said, yes, you may want to hurry. Ten four, Frank said with a sigh. I'll radio when I get to the practice field, if I can, that is. I'll put the guards on alert. Thanks, Bill. The captain let go of his radio and paced the small room a bit while his new and confused companion watched. He didn't know what to do. He knew his chances were slim to make it to safety as it was, let alone with a civilian that didn't understand him in tow. Frank shook his head in disgust that he'd even contemplated leaving this poor woman behind to die. Millie, he said, pointing at her. Come with Frank, we have to go outside. He pointed to the door. She retreated into the corner, shaking her head violently. She sank down, and the captain knelt in front of her, turning his body sideways so that he wasn't so big and threatening. I know you can't understand me, he said, voice as soothing as possible. I hope my tone comes across. I will keep you safe. We will be safe. She stared at him for a tense moment and then jerked a nod. There was a sudden banging on the door and she gasped, but Frank leapt up and faced the door, gun drawn. The banging was loud, but the door held. The captain extended his hand to Millie and she took it, letting him pull her to standing. He motioned to the back of the building. Back door, he asked, pantomiming opening a door. She nodded. See, si, she said quietly, and led him through the building, trembling but moving. She held her knife up in front of her, 
pausing in front of an outside door, and reached for the knob. Frank took her hand in his and gently moved her behind him, pointing to acknowledge that he was going to go first. She nodded and took a step back from him. He opened the door a crack and peeked out, holding it there for a few moments to make sure there was nothing. When there was no response, he put his hand up to signify Millie to stay and then slipped out into the alleyway. He looked both ways down the tight alley. It was narrow, too small for both of them to be beside each other, but wide enough that they could go single file in either direction. He gently waved for her to come out after him, and she timidly exited the door. He led her towards the street, and as they approached the exit, she jerked hard on the back of his vest. Frank turned to see a zombie barreling towards them down the narrow passage, and he squeezed past her, drawing his knife. He took a defensive stance, and as the zombie came upon them, he slammed his tricep into its throat and shoved it against the wall, planting his knife directly into its forehead. He left the body to block the alleyway and sheathed his knife, readying his handgun and shuffling by Millie once again. She was breathing heavy but not quite panicking, and he hoped that was enough proof for her that he would do his best to keep her safe. Frank looked both ways and sighed with relief that the coast was clear. He motioned in the direction they needed to go, and she nodded her compliance, following close behind him as they moved up the dark street. Chapter 11 Freeman peered through his binoculars at the bus depot, scouting the two transports surrounded by a few dozen zombies. He noted the six-foot-high chain-link fence that surrounded the compound, and the zombies appeared to be trapped inside. What do you think, Webb? The corporal asked, handing the binoculars to his comrade. Looks like 30 or 40 of those motherfuckers to me. Webb handed the binoculars back and shook his head. Don't know on the count, but pretty sure it's enough to overwhelm us. Not sure how everyone else is doing on ammo, but I'm looking a little light. On my last mag, Reyes said. Gardner swallowed hard. Same. I've got six shots left, Marie added. Freeman clenched his jaw, examining the depot further. He noticed a cut hole in the fence, assuming that to be the original entry point. Got it, he said. That's how those things got in. Looks like the army boys forgot to close up after they broke in. Webb looked again. There's no way in hell we're going to be able to lure those things out through there, he protested. And not exactly the best breach point for us, either. Yeah, if we spook them, we'd essentially be trapped, Freeman agreed. Marie raised an eyebrow. So, what's the play? Fuck if I know. The corporal in charge shrugged. Well, you better figure it the fuck out, she snapped, cause you're all we got at the moment. First off, Freeman seethed. Watch your goddamn tone. Second, if you got a bright idea, I'm all ears. Send a runner to distract them, she said. Get them over to the far side of the fence and give the rest of us a chance to get to the transports. She jutted out her chin in satisfaction. And what happens when their moans attract other nearby zombies? The corporal asked. You know, the ones that aren't in captivity. You gonna volunteer for that suicide mission? She sighed, pursing her lips. Yeah, not so easy to be in charge, is it? He growled. She shook her head. Sorry, Freeman. 
It's all good, he replied in a softer tone, patting her on the shoulder. Now let's throw some ideas out there. We can work this out. We don't have the firepower for a straight-up fight, so that's out, Reyes piped up. Gardner bumped Webb with his shoulder. Hey, didn't you used to play QB? Yeah, Webb replied, brow furrowed. I did. Think you can lob a grenade from one side of the depot to the other? Gardner raised an eyebrow. Webb snorted. Maybe ten years ago. Besides, that may not buy us the time we need to get into the transports, Marie added. Since I'm guessing nobody has a set of keys for these things. There was a tough silence until Owens coughed violently, spitting another glob of blood-filled mucus on the ground. He removed the harness for his assault rifle and set it on the table, followed by his reserve magazine. He stabbed his knife hard into the wood, the thunk making the whole team startle and look at him. Let's cut the bullshit. We all know what the play is here, he said firmly. Marie paled. Owens? Ma'am, please feel free to arm yourself, he replied, motioning to his rifle. You look like you know your way around one of these. She clenched her jaw and swallowed hard, but didn't move. Gardner, I need two blocks of C4 and a detonator you don't want back, the corporal declared. Whoa, whoa, Owens, Freeman stammered, suddenly realizing what was going on. No, no, that's not happening. I'm getting everybody back to the stadium in one piece. Owens hacked and then straightened up. Not unless I do this. Stand down, his commanding officer demanded. That's an order. Ma'am, how long you think I got left? Owens turned to Marie. She hesitated, chewing her lip, but then shot Freeman a sheepish look. Hours, maybe half a day at the most, she admitted. The corporal in charge pinched the bridge of his nose and then scrubbed at his forehead. He finally groaned and sighed and then motioned to Gardner. Give the man what he needs. Yes, sir, Gardner replied gravely, holding out the C4 and detonator. Owens took the explosives and smacked his comrade on the shoulder. They exchanged a nod, and then he turned towards the group as he backed towards the door. I got the keys to the gate right here, he said, wiggling the block in his hand. Once it's opened, I'm going to lead them as far away as I can. When you hear the other one go off, you'd better be on those trucks, because I get the sense they're going to be headed back your way. Freeman nodded, shoulders tight. We'll get it done and get those people to safety. Yeah, well, you damn well better, Owens replied, and then smiled before leaving the building. The group sat in silence for a moment, and then Freeman got to his feet. Come on, let's get a move on, he declared. Owens darted across the dark street and over to the depot fence. He smacked the chain link fence, sending a metallic echo through the night air. Hey, who's hungry, he called, and several nearby zombies growled and sprinted towards him. They smacked right into it, pressing their rotting faces into the metal, teeth gnashing without a care for the consequences to their tearing mouths. The hubbub alerted more of the dead, and soon enough the bulk of the bus stop corpses had their sights on him. That's right, come and get me, Owens cried and jogged along the sidewalk. The ghouls followed, stumbling along the fence like they were on a leash. 
They got to the front gate, which was locked up tight. Owens attached a block of C4 to the locking mechanism and then sprinted to the other side of the street. He took a deep breath. Boom, he said, and hit the detonator. It shredded the gate and the front line of zombies, the rest picking themselves up through the dust and rushing through the now busted gate. There you go, Freeman, Owens said, and then sprinted down the road away from the depot. Let's move, Freeman barked, diving through the hole in the fence and rushed towards the two transports. Webb was a step behind, popping off a few shots to take out some stragglers as Freeman took up position beside the truck door. Webb threw open the door, revealing an army grunt missing the top of his head. The uniform was bloody and torn at the bicep, pistol still in his dead hand. Sorry, kid, but you gotta go, Freeman muttered and tossed the soldier's body to the ground. They hopped in and slammed the door shut as Reyes, Gardner, and Marie blew past them to the second transport. As they reached the truck, there was an explosion in the distance, rooting Gardner and Marie to the spot. Reyes threw open the transport door, and a heavyset zombie in army fatigues flopped out, bowling him over. He shot a few times, but missed vitals as teeth tore into his throat. Motherfucker! Gardner screamed at the ghoul feasting on his friend. He fired several times into the head of the zombie, Marie's mouth agape at the sight. Gardner stormed past the corpse and into the truck, screaming in anger and frustration. Marie stopped briefly to shoot Reyes in the head before he reanimated, and then hurried around to the passenger side of the transport. What the fuck was that? Gardner snarled at her. She narrowed her eyes. Reyes deserves peace, not running around like one of those things, she shot back. And the corporal swallowed, nodding his agreement. Gardner, y'all good? Freeman crackled in over the radio. He paused before lifting the radio to his lips. We lost Reyes, he said, and there was a pause on the other end. 10-4, Freeman finally replied. Y'all follow me. When we get to the skywalk, park beside me and we'll start unloading. Gardner nodded. Yep. The transports fired up, attracting a few zombies, but the trucks effortlessly plowed through them. The corporal remained intensely focused on the drive, and Marie respected his quiet, leaving him to deal with the loss of two close friends in such a short time. She kept her eyes on the rearview mirror, where countless zombies emerged from the shadows and stumbled after the trucks to their destination. Chapter 12 How we doing on time, Coleman? Terrell asked, inspecting the grocery store across the street through his binoculars. There was no movement, but there were several dead bodies in the parking lot. We got about 30 minutes before the sun's gonna start peeking up, the corporal replied. Terrell nodded. Then we'd better make this quick. It looks like over there, but I wouldn't bank on it staying that way. We're moving straight across, and we're not gonna fuck with the lock. There's a double panel glass door. Foster, I want you to crack the bottom portion of that sumbitch open. Once we secure the interior, find whatever you can to patch it up. Doesn't have to last long, just enough for us to get what we need up to the roof. On it, Cap, Foster replied. Terrell raised his hand. 
All right, let's move. He led his team out into the street, moving swiftly with rifles at the ready. There was no resistance as they made it to the store, eyes everywhere to make sure they were still alone. Foster reached the door first, flipping his gun around to shatter the bottom window with a stock. Terrell ducked in and immediately popped back up to scan the dark store. The others filed in and joined the sweep, also keeping eyes out for something to patch the door. A shot rang out and the cash register next to Terrell exploded. The team hit the deck, taking cover behind the checkout counters. Several more shots slammed into their makeshift barricade, causing more irritation than actual harm. Yo, Terrell cried, hoping to stop the waste of bullets. Cut it the fuck out, we're friendlies. Bullshit, a male voice bellowed from the back of the store, and then another barrage of bullets. Martinez Bennett, cover fire, the captain barked, and he scrambled to his feet as they complied, rushing the grocery aisles. The first one was relatively empty, the canned goods picked clean already. Terrell crawled down the aisle as his comrades retreated to cover, and the unknown assailant began firing once again. Eat it, motherfuckers, he cried. I'm gonna kill each and every one of you asshole. His jaw snapped shut at the click of a gun hammer and cold metal pressing up against his temple. You mind cutting that out? Terrell asked from behind him and the man dropped his gun immediately, hands shooting up. He was heavy set, dressed in jeans and a tattered and bloodied t-shirt. Okay, you got me, the man conceded. Just make it quick. I ain't gonna kill you, old timer, Terrell replied. We just need to get a few things and we'll be on our way. Well, if he's taken our food, you might as well go ahead and shoot us, the man shot back. Bullet to the head is preferable to starving to death. The captain's brow furrowed. We? How many others are here? There's five of us, his prisoner said. But before Terrell could respond, several shots fired. His body went rigid with concern. Everybody good? He yelled. Yeah, we're good, Coleman called back. Couple zombies tried to get in. Loud moans echoed in the distance, and the corporal sighed. We're gonna have company. We need to secure the front. Terrell said to his prisoner, are we gonna get shot? No, the man replied, that's the only gun we got. The captain raised an eyebrow, you sure? Bobby, the man cried, help them boys at the front. A teenaged boy emerged from the shadows, startling Foster, who was closest. There's a table back here we can use, the kid motioned behind him, and the corporal followed him to a wooden folding table covered in empty cans. They flipped it over and carried it to the front door. Coming across, Foster warned, and Coleman and Bennett ceased fire, so the unlikely duo could get the table in front of the door's opening. The zombie pack smashed up against the glass, faces smearing blood against the window as their undead legs rattled the wood. Foster hissed as he pressed his full body weight against the table, lowering himself to the ground to brace it with his legs. Christ, how many of those motherfuckers are out there? Coleman approached the window and hopped up on a soda display for a better vantage point. The zombies in the parking lot were stacked at least a dozen deep, disappearing into the darkness. More than you want to know, he replied, 
and hopped down to the tiles as Bobby took the same bracing position as Foster. The kid was white as a sheet, and Foster gave him a reassuring nod. We clear? Terrell called from the back. Coleman turned in his general direction. Yeah, we're good, Cap. This is what's gonna happen, the captain said to his prisoner. I'm gonna pull back, and we're gonna walk nice and slow to the front. If you so much as look at that gun on the floor, I'm gonna end you. We clear? The man nodded. Don't worry, I ain't gonna do shit. Terrell escorted the hillbilly shooter to the front of the store and holstered his gun, crossing his arms. What's your name? My friends call me Zeke, the guy replied, taking a spot next to Bobby and Foster. The captain nodded. All right, Zeke, why don't you bring out the rest of your posse? Y'all come out, the shooter raised a hand, and a frightened young woman stepped out of the darkness with two young boys in tow. All of them were blood-spattered and wide-eyed, and Terrell's stance immediately relaxed. Zeke, go over to your family, he said softly, putting a hand on the man's shoulder. Be with you in a moment. He nodded and rushed to his family, who embraced him tightly. Come on now, he cooed. It's gonna be okay. Bennett and Martinez joined the other two at the table bracing it with every heavy object they could find. Terrell surveyed it, unsure how long it would hold. Coleman, take Martinez and Bennett and start collecting what we need and get it to the roof, Terrell instructed. Use our new friend Zeke over there too. The corporal winced. Isn't that a bit harsh, Cap, making them clear out their own supply? Normally I'd agree with you, but they're coming with us, the captain replied. Coleman raised an eyebrow. You think Colonel Wagner is gonna be okay with you bringing civilians to the base? That barricade ain't gonna hold, and I don't feel right fucking up their hiding spot and leaving them for dead, Terrell said. The corporal nodded. I'm with you, Cap. Besides, what's Wagner going to do? The captain rolled his eyes. Revoke my weekend pass? What, you already had your fill of the city? Coleman grinned. Terrell put up a hand. More than my fill. Again, the corporal said. I'm with you, Cap. He smacked Terrell on the shoulder as he moved. Martinez, Foster, start securing the supplies. Let's get this shit done so we can go home. Chapter 13 Freeman drove his large transport truck through waves of zombies as if parting the sea as the sun rose over the horizon. He crushed as many as he could and then slowed to a stop against the side of the stadium Gardner following close behind. The horde of ghouls extended as far as the eye could see, and they were very interested in the noisy vehicles, banging on the sides with fervor. Man, looks like game day out there, Freeman joked, taking a deep breath at the insane amount of walking corpses. Webb nodded. Yeah, and we're the main course for the tailgating barbecue. There were several loud thuds from the roof of the cab, and Freeman grinned. Sounds like we're going to disappoint them, he said, and stood up to unlatch the top panel. He climbed out onto the roof, surveying the rope ladders dangling down from the second level of the stadium and brushing the top of the truck. Go ahead and get up there, Webb said. I'll help the people up. Move quickly, Freeman replied. We may have to go rescue the cap. His companion nodded. I'm on it. The corporal climbed the swaying ladder, quickly reaching the top. He looked around the throng of military grunts helping civilians to safety. 
Where's Bill? Freeman called loudly. I need Bill. He walked through the crowd, continuing to call for Bill Huff, and finally found the older man barking instructions to the military men. If the person is a VIP, escort them to Section 213, he yelled over the sea of men in fatigues. If they are civilians, take them to Section 215. If anyone needs medical care, there are doctors standing by in each section. Freeman approached him. Bill, any word on the cap? He huffed. Corporal, good job on getting these people to safety, Bill replied, reaching out to clap him on the back. You did a great thing here. Thanks, Freeman said hurriedly. But what's the status on the cap? Bill smiled. He's a couple of blocks away. Okay, tell him to stay put, the corporal replied. When we get these people off, we'll go pick him up. Negative. Bill shook his head. We have a plan to get him back safely, but it requires him to remain hidden. Freeman furrowed his brow and pursed his lips. I don't get it. He crossed his arms in defiance. Why risk him being in the open when we have the transports? Because he's already out of the heart of the city, and there isn't a building tall enough to safely extract him, Bill replied, waving at a few civilians to stay close to their military escort. The horde you'd bring with you would overrun them. Freeman growled, clenching his fists. Fine, just tell me where he's coming in. Bill reached out and grabbed the arm of a passing army grunt. Please take the corporal to the practice field tunnel, he instructed. Please follow me, sir, the grunt said and led the way. Freeman followed him as Bill turned back to directing traffic. The flow of people was seemingly endless, but they were quick to get up the ladders to safety. Chapter 14 Frank and Millie peered out the window of the small single-story building they'd stopped in to take a breather. There were a few zombies wandering by to join the stadium horde, of which, even though they were a few blocks away, the back end was visible from their position. Man, it's a long haul, the captain said with a sigh. You up to it? He turned to look at her, receiving only her blank stare in return. He used his fingers to make a running motion and then pointed to the practice field building across the way. She furrowed her brow at the plethora of zombies up the street and then clenched her jaw, turning back to him to nod. Frank checked his assault rifle, noting a measly four bullets left in the mag. He opened his handgun and couldn't help but let out a bitter laugh at the single bullet in the chamber. Well, this ought to be fun, he muttered. Millie worried at her lip, staring at him with wide-eyed concern, but he gave her a smile and a thumbs up to try to put her at ease. After a flicker of confusion crossed her face, she reluctantly returned the gesture. Frank got to his feet and pointed to her, then touched his back and held his hands slightly apart. Stay close to me, okay? He asked, and she nodded, likely more to the miming than the words themselves. He cracked open the door, raised his near-useless rifle, and then darted out into the street, staying as light on his feet as possible. Regardless of their silence, the duo were barely ten feet out the door when they attracted the attention of a couple of zombies skirting the building. As soon as their eyes locked on the fresh meat, they screamed and tore towards them. Millie shrieked something in Spanish, 
and Frank tried to keep his eyes on the ones coming her way as well as a trio on his own side. He thought quick and spray and prayed his last four bullets into the trifecta, taking down two with headshots and hitting the third in the neck. The throat-gored zombie continued to rush them, and the captain lowered his shoulder to linebacker his way through, knocking his opponent to the ground. He didn't bother stopping to stab it in the head, instead leaping over it to lead Millie through the now clear path towards the practice facility building. Several more zombies had joined the pursuit behind them, and Frank whipped his assault rifle into the crowd, tripping up a few zombies when the strap tangled in their rotted legs. This bought the duo a few precious seconds, and the captain drew his handgun as they made it to the large glass panel at the front of the building. Don't fuck this one up, he whispered to himself, and let his last bullet fly. It was on target, shattering the window, and he leapt through, Millie hot on his heels. It was a darkened workout room with rows and rows of machines and free weights. Frank grabbed her hand and pulled her to the side, running to duck behind a large bench press machine. Dozens of zombies poured into the building, heads swiveling around as they used whatever senses it was that they used to try to find their prey. Frank noticed a glass wall about 30 yards away, the practice field in view. He turned to Millie, putting a finger to his lips and then pointing at the glass wall. He led her towards it, staying in a silent crouch. They made it about halfway before she stumbled over the metal footing of a rowing machine. The duo froze, hoping the small noise wouldn't be enough to alert their predators. The zombies screeched and tore in their general direction. Fuck, Frank cried and groped for her hand in the darkness. As he gripped her wrist, he jerked her along with him as the corpses began to zero in on them. The fleeing humans rushed down an aisle, zombies approaching on all sides. They wove around machines, somehow managing not to trip and fall to their deaths, and made it around to the giant window wall. A zombie reached out and managed to grab Millie's arm, and she shrieked something unintelligible but clearly full of fear. Frank turned and grabbed the zombie by its throat and belt, teeth snapping dangerously close to his tricep as he lifted it clean off the ground. He ran full tilt towards the window, ducking down just before impact and planting his shoulder into the corpse's chest. They slammed into it in just the right spot, the impact shattering the glass, the zombie thrashing about wildly all the while. The captain did a shoulder roll to dive to safety as they hit the grass, but the zombie flopped over to him. He picked it up in a reverse bear hug and then slammed it down into the ground head first, the satisfying crunch of its neck reverberating in the chill air. Millie leapt from the window and tore past him across the field, zombies pouring out of the building behind her. Frank took off into a sprint, keeping stride with her and leading them towards the outbuilding. That better be the right door, he thought, as he pumped his legs harder than he'd ever thought possible. And it better be unlocked. Dozens more zombies converged on them, coming at them across the grass from multiple angles behind them. Frank remained focused on getting to the door, and upon reaching it, threw it open and Millie practically flew inside. He slammed it shut, struggling against several zombies wedged in, and his unlikely companion turned to help him push. 
He shoved her back and pointed towards the other end of the lit tunnel, the fluorescent casting a greenish glow on their pallid faces. Run, he screamed, and she hesitated for a moment with wide eyes before turning and tearing down the cement tunnel. Frank braced his feet and locked his legs, but slowly lost ground as the door inched further and further open. He raised his radio to his lips in a frenzy. Bilge, you copy? I'm here, Captain. I'm in the tunnel, have a civilian running towards the door, Frank cried. Without hesitation, Bill replied, hang on, I'm patching Corporal Freeman in. Freeman here, came the familiar tone. You at the tunnel door? Frank asked, hissing at the strain in his legs. Yeah, locked and loaded. The captain let out a sigh of relief. Don't you shoot the girl running towards you, he urged, voice coming out a thick grunt. Wasn't planning on it, Freeman laughed. You got the detonator for the tunnel, Frank demanded. Yeah. Hit it, the captain ordered, groaning as he managed to push back the tiniest bit against the door. Fuck that, Cap. Freeman shot back. I got a plan. Well, you better fucking hurry up, Frank seethed. I can't hold this much longer. Footsteps echoed down the hallway, and in the distance, the captain could make out the silhouettes of two figures. Brace the door and kneel down as low as you can get, Freeman's voice came through the radio, and Frank complied, lowering his body and pressing against the door with everything he had. When we stop firing, you run like hell. Got it, the captain cried, and then a torrent of lead unleashed on his position. It tore open the top half of the door, bits of wood and blood splattering everywhere and coating the walls as the enemies and the door shredded to pieces. Frank got ready to spring, like a runner on the starting mark, and as soon as the prolonged barrage ceased, he sprinted towards his comrades. The bombardment bought him a few seconds, as the fresh zombies stumbled over their holy brethren to get into the tunnel. A grenade flew over the captain's head as he approached Freeman, and then the duo ran as hard as they could to the stadium, not even flinching at the explosion behind them. Any hesitation could mean death, and all they wanted to do was reach the door. Body parts ricocheted off the walls, wet slaps of rotted flesh hitting cement all around them as they reached the door. Hit it, hit it, hit it, Frank screamed as they got through the door, slamming it shut behind them, and Freeman punched the detonator. The walls shook as the C-4 went off, collapsing the tunnel and giving the corpses a proper burial. Frank stayed pressed against the door, not wanting to trust that there was nothing on the other side of it. We should board this up, he suggested, chest heaving. Just to be sure. Not even back 30 seconds and you're already dishing out orders, Freeman pointed out. They broke into laughter immediately, high-pitched, gasping sob giggles over what had just transpired. How the fuck did we survive that? Frank wheezed as their fit subsided. Freeman shook his head, brushing tears from his cheeks. Fuck if I know, Cap. Millie threw herself against Frank, crying and blubbering something in Spanish. Looks like you made quite the impression, the corporal said, raising his eyebrows. Frank gently patted her back. It would appear so. Freeman furrowed his brow and then rattled off a few sentences in Spanish as his captain looked on in surprise. He and Millie exchanged a few words, hers thick with tears. 
What, what the fuck was that? Frank cut in during a break in the conversation. Where did you learn to speak Spanish? I grew up in South Texas and love Mexican food, Freeman replied with a shrug. It was either learn Spanish or forever be cursed with subpar meals. The captain shook his head and chuckled. All right, he replied with a sigh. We gotta go find Bill for a debrief. He's by the transports with the rest of the team, the corporal replied. Come on. The trio headed down the hallway, and Millie grabbed Frank's hand, squeezing it tightly. Chapter 15 Terrell stood up from his vantage point on top of the transport truck as it stopped just short of Fort Bragg's gate, hundreds of zombies swarming the sides. He walked to the front portion, parallel with the guard tower. He aimed down at four zombies between the vehicle and the gate, but after three shots, his gun let out a dull click. Soldier, the captain called to the guard tower. Need to borrow a mag. The young private tossed a magazine over to him, and Terrell loaded it up and shot the last zombie in the head. Okay, boys, front is clear, you can open the gate, he declared, and several troops pulled the large gate open, just wide enough for the bus to nose its way in. The vehicle inched forward, the troops holding the gate flush against the side so that the zombies were forced to stay at the outside. Terrell hung his head over the left side to keep an eye on it, banging on the back of the truck to try to direct the corpses away from the guard tower. As the end of the bus inched inside, the gatekeeper slid everything closed against the back of it, not a single corpse breaching. Terrell slid down to the ground, grin erupting on his face. That worked like a charm, Cap, Foster exclaimed from the driver's seat. The captain gave him a salute. Hey, when you're good, you're good. We doing another run? The corporal asked. Terrell shook his head. Nah, it's time for us to get to the stadium. You and Bennett get the goods over to the transport chopper and take off once it's loaded, he instructed. Coleman and Martinez are a few minutes behind us, so I'll catch a ride with them. Gotta go debrief Wagner as it is. You got it, Cap, Foster replied. We'll see you in a bit. He drove off and the captain strode to Wagner's office. The colonel wasn't buried in phones this time, but was deep in discussion with Corporal Lynch, while office workers ran around them like buzzing bees. Colonel Wagner, Corporal Lynch, Terrell greeted. Wagner turned to him, offering his hand to shake. Captain, how'd the mission go? First transport is headed to the helipad, the other is a few minutes behind. The captain replied and shook. We cleared this city out as best we could. Lynch nodded. Based on my calculations, everything we're loading up now is gravy. That a technical term there, Corporal? Terrell raised an eyebrow. For our purposes, yes. The young Corporal cracked a smile. The Charlotte Fortress, assuming they ration properly, have enough food and basic supplies to last them for a few months, more than enough time to get the greenhouses up and running. Wagner raised his chin. Well, Captain, I suppose that finishes up your mission here. And yours too. Terrell replied, motioning to the colonel. You know where y'all are being evacuated to? The higher-ups have seen fit to not make us a priority, Wagner replied. My current orders are to fortify and sit tight. An ear-piercing alarm echoed throughout the room and throughout the base. The lieutenant colonel leapt into action, face reddening with rage. Lynch, find a way to shut that fucking thing off, he barked. 
It's going to attract every zombie in the goddamn city. Sir. Lynch tore off into the back room, and though the alarm continued, Terrell could hear gunshots through the wailing. He and Wagner shared a concerned glance, and the captain readied his assault rifle. Get your weapons, Terrell snapped at the frozen office workers, and they rushed to their desks to each grab a handgun. The captain threw open the door and stepped out, immediately turning in the direction of the front gate. He raised his weapon towards the noise and waited. The infirmary blocked his view, but within a moment, several troops came running around the side. They fired wildly back towards the front gate, one soldier standing his ground and unloading an entire magazine. Terrell watched helplessly as the soldier was swarmed by several zombies. They've breached the gate, he screamed, and there was a thunderous crash as the transport vehicle ripped through the small infirmary building. Medical supplies and bodies flew through the air. Zombies latched onto the outside of the vehicle. The driver swung erratically, eventually smashing into a storage building where a handful of soldiers tore outside in the nick of time. Terrell's first instinct was to rush to his comrades, but the two office workers began to fire wildly into the oncoming horde of zombies coming right at them. He turned to the gate once again, this time able to see it without the infirmary standing in the way, and his heart sank at the sight of it wide open. Zombies poured in in a never-ending flood. There were about a hundred troops setting up an impromptu firing line. An automatic gunfire filled the air, a wall of lead ripping through the front wave of the deadly assault. The bulk of the ghouls weren't affected much by the random spray assault with not many headshots, and quickly closed the gap between them and the firing line. Some of the troops attempted to reload, but most of them attempted to dash back to the barracks. The horde didn't differentiate, slamming into the line and quickly overwhelming them. The gunfire slowly died down, overtaken by screams of agony, and Terrell grabbed the two stunned office personnel by the arms. We gotta get inside now, he demanded and shoved them back inside. He slammed the door shut. Move that desk over here, he cried, but they both just stared at him. Move it unless you want to end up like them. They snapped back into reality and grabbed the metal desk, shoving it as hard as they could to the door. Terrell helped wedge it right against it, the banging intensifying from the other side. The alarm finally ceased, leaving only the terrifying sounds of wet flesh smacking against the outer walls of the building. How bad is it? Wagner asked, as the gunfire died down to only the occasional shot. Terrell shook his head. We ain't going anywhere for a while. Wagner slumped down in his chair, jaw clenched. The fire in his eyes slowly flickered away, replaced by a hopelessness the captain had never seen on the colonel. Can, Wagner stammered, can you, can you contact whoever's above us and just? Corporal Lynch approached him, putting a hand on his shoulder. Don't worry, Colonel, I'll let the higher-ups know the situation. Wagner flinched at a nearby gunshot and then turned in his chair to face the wall, rubbing his forehead with his hand. He good? Terrell asked softly as Lynch skirted the desk. Yeah, he just needs a minute, the corporal replied. The captain took a deep breath. Well, at the moment, we have plenty of time to spare. You get on the horn to his CO and let them know what's up. I'll get in touch with my guys. I'm on it, 
Lynch replied. Terrell took a seat at the remaining desk as the corporal scurried off and put his feet up. He raised his radio receiver to his mouth. Coleman, Martinez, anybody read? He asked. You guys make it through the crash? Silence. Terrell closed his eyes and pushed the button again. Coleman, Martinez, does anybody copy? Still, nothing but silence. The captain turned to one of the office workers, who sat on the edge of Wagner's desk, looking out the window in blank-eyed shock. Hey you, window watcher, Terrell said. Can you patch me through to the transport chopper? The worker jumped a bit, but then nodded to him. Good, do it, the captain demanded. And the man turned, clicked a few buttons on his computer, and then handed a wireless headset to Terrell. Go for Foster, the corporal's voice came through loud and clear. Foster, it's Cap, Terrell replied with a relieved sigh. You guys make it out okay? Yeah, why wouldn't we have? Foster asked, sounding confused. Good, good, the captain paused. We, we had a breach back here. Hang tight, we're coming back for you. Foster immediately replied. Negative, Terrell said firmly. There's nothing you can do for us. Whole fucking base is overrun. The corporal took a deep breath before replying. Coleman and Martinez? They crashed the transport, and I can't get through to them, Terrell replied. Don't know if it's the radio or what. There was a moment of radio silence, and then Foster clicked back. So what's our orders? Get to the stadium the captain said. Tell Captain Kyle to monitor emergency channel 13. When we get out of here, we'll be in touch. 10-4, Cap, Foster replied. Y'all be safe. Y'all too, Terrell said quietly, and then tossed down the headset. Okay, the higher-ups have been alerted to our situation, Lynch declared as he exited the back room. The captain nodded, composing his expression. Are they sending a rescue team? They gave us a rally point about 50 miles south of here. The corporal replied, said if we can get there, they'll extract us to one of the offshore ships. And if we can't, Terrell asked, though he already knew the answer. Lynch squared his shoulders. Then they thank us for our service. Yeah, that sounds about right, the captain muttered. So what's the plan? The corporal asked. As if on cue, the banging grew dead hands pounding on the small building that was the only thing keeping the group from being consumed alive. Terrell scrubbed his hands down his face. At the moment, I don't know if we have one. End of book two. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.